0: study in Philippians. Mike last week talked in chapter 2 about having this uh, same mind that Jesus Christ had, of, of humility. But we're going to talk about being positive in a negative world, and it's all about your perspective. Your perspective has a significant impact on how you see the world, which has an impact on how you think, how you feel, and how you behave. This became very real to me when I was a junior in college, and I was, uh, I was friends with a lot of the Alpha Gamma Deltas, and their sort. Any Alpha Gammas here today, Okay, good. And so um, they fixed me up with this young lady, and we go out. I don't remember what we did, but we went back to the apartment. My roommate was in the other room, and I'm making Jiffy Pop. That's how long ago this was. And so, wow, <laughs> you're old. And so um, I'm making Jiffy Pop, and she's sitting on the couch. She "No, oh, Phil, I usually, I usually don't date guys like you. And I thought, she's probably right. I said, Jiffy Pop. And um, she said, I usually date guys... You're athletic and good looking And wow, <laughs> my, my roommate was laughing in the other room because our, <laughs> our well, we ended the, the date at that point. Now, a year later, I met Susan, who's now my wife, we 35 years in December, and so I was telling her about this, and she kind of looked indignant, like she was upset. I said she said, "That's not true. you're athletic." and um, <laughs> just just gets worse. But uh, your perspective has an impact. Now, if you have your app, you can actually look at the, out, the outline that I'm going to be giving is on your app. If you don't have the app, there's a blank sheet of paper in your, in your guide. You can look at that. And if you don't have either, then you're out of luck. So flipping chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, Paul says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you firmly hold to the word of life. I like the message it talks about is that do everything with readiness and willingness and don't complain in this this corrupt world. And then it talks about take the light, L-I-G-H-T, the light-giving message of Jesus Christ into the darkness which he talks about in the next verse. And then you'll be able to boast in the day of Christ I I've not turn labor in vain, but even as I'm being poured out like a drink, offering the sacrifice and service coming from you in faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with me. If you have your Bibles or your app, or if you just want to kind of notate this, underline as you hold firmly to the word of life. We're going to come back to that piece of this. So your perspective has a significant impact on what you say and what you do. What, how you see something impacts in how you feel, which is why, what is going to impact what you say about it and then what you do about it. Jesus said this, it's not what goes into a person's mouth that defiles them. It's what comes out of their mouth. Your words have impact. Your words have significance. What you say, what you do has impact. Are you carrying the light message, the message of Jesus Christ, into a corrupt and dark world? Because that's what Jesus has called us to do in Matthew chapter 5. He says, be light and salt in a world that's darkness. What happens is with any kind of season, if it's not seasoned enough, it doesn't taste good. If it's over-seasoned, it's, it's, it's too harsh on us. Uh, if you, our light is good if you can see something, but if, you, if it's too bright and you can't see something, it's overbearing. If someone, if your life was a reality show, and someone was to follow you around with a camera 24-7, what would it show you doing from the standpoint of what you're saying and how you're behaving, what you're saying, what you're doing? What would it show? This is rhetorical, by the way. And the second question is, could we show it on the screen? Well, I know we could show it. Let me put it another way. Would you want us to show it on the screen? See, our perspective has a significant impact, so either we're impacting the world with a message of hope, or we're impacting the world and we're being right along with them. So, how in the process, then, do you go about changing your perspective? So, before I go through, let me tell you about a guy, uh, so... Last time I was here, I talked about traveling, someone at the break said, what do you do? So I'm a leadership consultant and executive coach. So I travel every week. This week, I'm going to Knoxville to work with a client and I do workshop seminars. I do uh, executive coaching for all levels. I would say 98% of my coaching is on the phone or via Skype. This particular case, a few few years ago, um, one of the clients I'd worked with for a long time, this guy was the regional vice president, his area was the most productive of anything in the organization. Let's call him, um, let's call him Larry. That's his name, so we'll call him Larry. And so, um, so, Larry was very productive, but his employee engagement scores were the lowest in the organization, and his turnover rate for his group was the highest in the organization for his region. So they did a 360 assessment on him. Boss, peers, himself, employees of what they thought about him. It wasn't good. And we did a behavioral assessment. So I'm flying out to the East Coast, and i read, review all that stuff. That night I got some information from Human Resource that they would not shared with me. He'd had some complaints against him as well. So this was kind of his last hope. So I show up at 8 o'clock. We're talking for a little bit, 45 minutes into the conversation. I can tell Larry just does not get this. I said, Larry, what's the reason you think I'm here? He said, I have no clue. I don't know why you're here. I said, well, let's go over some facts. One is, I know you're the highest producer, right? Yeah, I don't know why you're here. I'm the highest producer. Okay. You're highest also in turnover rate. You're also, your engagement scores was the lowest of anyone in the organization. Also, your 360 we're about to look at, it's not good. People don't like you. And you have three sexual harassment complaints against you. And you have four employee complaints against you that says you're a maniacal dictator. So this isn't really a coaching session, Larry. This is an intervention. And so you can work with me or I can go back to the airport, go on standby and get home early. It doesn't matter to me. It is up to you. You make the choice about what you want to do. Okay, well, I guess I'll listen now. That was a long day, about 2.30. I'm thinking, this dude does not get it. And he still was kind of uh, explaining away his behavior, justifying his behavior. And I know you're not supposed to do this from a human resource standpoint. I said, Larry, may I share something with you off script? It has nothing to do with your assessments. It has nothing to do with your complaints. It has nothing to do with your organization. It has nothing to do with my organization. I work with. May I share something just from the heart? He said, yeah. You don't mind. He said, no. I said, you have a heart problem. I don't. I'm healthy. I've done that. I said, no, no. You have a heart problem. I said, your heart is cold and turned, and we can assess you until the end of the world, and you're not going to change until you change your heart. And the way you do that, Larry, is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got really big. And uh, I said, may I share with you about that? He goes, well, I guess. You're here. <laughs> you're all All right. Thank you for your openness. Um, So I shared, Larry did not make a decision at that point. All right, I have no idea if he ever did, nor did he make a decision after. As far as I know, he didn't. But I know about a year later, he was no longer with the organization because he didn't make a change. It's not about knowledge, it's about a change of the heart through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. There are some of us, though, we even have a relationship with Jesus Christ, because Paul's writing to the church. He's not writing to a bunch of lost people. Who say, "Hey, don't grumble, don't complain." He's writing to the church. So even though you may have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you may still have expressed that element because of your perspective. So four things that will help you. Number one is admit there's a problem. The first step in solving a problem is maybe there's a problem to be solved, right? I love this passage, uh, Psalms 38, 18. For I confess my iniquity, I'm full of anxiety because of my sin. When we're always complaining and griping, usually it's because we're full of anxiety. Because we've not trusted fully that Christ has the ability to do that situation, I work in that situation in my life. So the first step in being able to do that is how can I begin to confess that and realize there's a problem that I have in the way that I talk. There's a problem that I have in my perspective. It's not, I don't have the perspective of Christ. I have the perspective of the world. And rather than being an influence and light into the world, I'm a part of the world. Romans 12 two says, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the new of your mind that you may prove what the will of God did, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. But we first have to admit, I have a problem in how I, my perspective. It's not a Christ-like perspective. It's a world perspective. I'm complaining. I'm grumbling. What's your situation? First admit. Secondly, is change your self-talk. Now, 2 Corinthians 10.5, I would encourage you to memorize this verse. Great verse. We d- demolish arguments in every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God And read this last part of it, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. One of the books I read, once I could read again from my brain aneurysm, I got curious about the brain, because I knew that my brain had shifted and changed, and one of the doctors asked my wife, has there been any cognitive or behavioral change in your husband? And she said, well, he's much nicer. And... um, (laughs) So I wanted to find out what's the reason I'm so nice now. And so one of the books I read is You Are Not Your Brain. And it talks about that every, you, you and all of us have experienced this, we cannot control the thoughts that come into our mind sometimes because you'll be driving along, you'll be at the house, you'll be at work, you'll be at the kit, wherever. And there's some thought that comes to your mind that's just so random and potentially maybe even wrong. You think, like, what in the world caused me to think that? But what we can do is this. We can't control what comes into our brain, but we can control what we do with our brain, with that thought in our brain. That's the taking captive. Every thought, make it obedient to Christ. One of the things I have my clients do, especially those that deal with issues around negativity, is I'll say, take a pad with you. Every negative thought you have, write it down. Everyone, yeah. I was working with one high school kid, they, they, and he said, everyone is. I'm going to need more pads. And um, I say, well, that's OK. I have more. I can afford it. So just write it down, every thought. The reason why is what's the patterns that you're seeing? What's the patterns that you're thinking? Uh, the brain creates these little patterns for us. And we have these little triggers that cause us to think these different things. So it's not PMA, positive mental attitude. That's what I want to talk about. It's not looking in the mirror and saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and darn it, people like me. It's not that. It's changing the way you think by taking captive every thought you have and putting it into the obedience of Jesus Christ, of allowing Him to shift your thinking and how you see things. Third area, third thing we can do is watch your words. Ephesians 4.9 says, Do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And this last phrase is pretty important, that it may benefit those who listen. When I talk to, do couples coaching, I always pull this verse out. What are the words that you're using with one another? Because words matter. Are you using words that build up? Are you using words that tear down? Also, from the standpoint, especially in, whether you have children or not, when you're talking to other people at work, at home, it, it influences those who listen. It can either benefit them or it can be negativity toward them. When um, Susan and I first got married, we took some type of assessment. I like assessments, by the way. And so, and it scored us, we were 100% on everything. We were the perfect match, except for the way we raised our kids. That was, hey, my friend, Dr. Raymond McKenna, said, you may have some problems around this. So we thought, ah, we'll be, we, didn't, we didn't think about having kids. Then once we started having kids, we said, okay, we're having some problems. And so we decided we're not going to argue in front of our kids, but if we do, we're going to make up in front of them. So it would benefit them. And we don't use harsh words. I will be on your side. She will be on my side, which she always was, which was a benefit in the way we raised our kids. So one year, we were getting ready to go on a vacation. It's one we would saved up for years. We have saved up to go to Disney World. All three boys flew over to Disney World, stayed on property, And we got there a little early, and I'm walking with my two older boys. We're walking to the fitness center to work out. I said, now, guys, you need to know something about this week. Uh, Your mom and I will have an argument at some point. Why, Dad? Well, because vacations are very stressful. (laughs) You have expectations about what should happen, and they don't happen, and there's that tension between that, and so people fight. And so we will have, but when we fight, realize your mom and I still love each other. We're just having a disagreement about expectations or needs. He said, oh, okay. First day in the park. Now, my wife is a phenomenal planner. She's, I, I love the way she plans because I'm not good at it, and so she makes up for me, and she helps me keep my life together, which I really appreciate. Like something happened to her, I wouldn't even know what medicine to take at this point. But um, she'd read the book, I forgot what it was, like everything to know about Disney, about this thick. So she knew that when we got, we, we stayed on property, we got in early. All right, turn left. And we turned left. And we got a, a, a past, fast pass to this one. Then we rode the thing. Then we came back, rode the fast pass, got another fast pass. I mean, by noon, we'd ridden, we had ridden every ride in that, that park, that particular park at Disney World. I was exhausted. And so I, I said something. I don't remember what I said, but it was wrong. And um, <laughs> We started getting into a little disagreement. And it was time for lunch, and so we were at lunch, and, and it, was, it was a movie theater thing. I don't know if he's even there anymore. And there were these seats, and, and so the boys, two boys sat there in the middle, and we're sitting in the back seat, and the waiter, well, I hope you guys don't like make out or anything back here. And my, Susan said, I think we're fine. And so, um, so we're still arguing. And the boys start laughing. That did not go well for me either. And I said, well, what I told them was that we'd probably have an argument. And she said, you did what? And I said, well, but we can make up in front of them now," which we did. We made up. And then we said this. All right, guys, let's do this. Let's start looking for families that are having mental and emotional breakdowns. <laughs> so the rest of the time in the park, I go, oh, look over there, Dad. Yeah, they are. You're right. <laughs> it is not the happiest place in the world. Yeah. But we watched our words. I didn't say things that would tear her down in front of the boys. She never said anything disrespectful to tear me down in front of the boys. We watch our words. Fourth thing. Develop a mindset of gratitude. I just want to look at the, the first part of this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Teach you, admonish one another with wisdom through the Psalms, hymns, and songs for spiritual singing. With a grat with to God, with gratitude in your hearts. You cannot have a heart of gratitude and a heart of grumbling at the same time. It's either or. They they can't exist together. And so either you have a heart of gratitude this is what Jesus has done in my life. This is what Jesus is doing in my life. Because of what he's done, because of what he's doing, I know he can take care of me in the future. So I'm going to trust him. I'm going to be grateful as opposed to grumbling and complaining. When I got out of the hospital, one of the first things I did that probably helped keep me from getting depressed was I would, every before I went to, bed, I just thank God. I'd go to sleep thanking God for all the things He's done for me. I still do that. Why? Because I want to have a heart of gratitude. God has worked so many different things in my life. And I think about all the things uh, of being adopted into a family that was a Christian family that took care of me and loved me the best that they could and finding a wife that she was the name of three people that were on a list and said, get involved in this Christian organization. She was on that list. How God has connected so many different things. I can trust him. I can be grateful for that. I may be going through a difficult situation. James says this in James 1 Consider it all a joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, and what the testing of your faith produces endurance. We can realize the presence of Christ in our life and be grateful regardless of our circumstance and not doubt Him. Rather than grumbling, we can be grateful and have a heart of gratitude. Two things that will keep you from doing that fear and ego. Fear of, if I let go of control, will God be able to take care of this? Ego is edging God out of the situation of realizing, I know more than he does. Most of you probably have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yet oftentimes when it comes to situations of trusting him, we operate as atheists by the way we act. Fear and ego drive that. Grumble, complain. What is going on here? Why is this happening to me? As opposed to being grateful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God has the capability of doing. Two things that will help you this week if you do these two things. Meditate on God's Word and memorize God's Word. Now, memorizing God's Word, I would encourage you as a follower of Jesus Christ to put that as part of your spiritual discipline. Psalms 119.11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I will not sin against you. We put God's word in our heart. It, keeps us from, it gives us a different perspective. God's word begins to change. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures inspired by God, profitable teaching, proof for correction, for training in righteousness. God's word is sharper than a two edged sword, it says in Hebrews. And then we meditate upon God's word. Joshua 1.8 says, This word of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you should med- meditate on it day and night. Psalms 1, verse 3 says, and meditate upon the word of God day and night. We, we think meditation is some type of esoteric feeling, some Eastern mysticism thing. All meditation is is focused thinking. I take the word of God and I ruminate it. Man, I just focus thinking. I just go over and over and over again. Why? It changes my perspective. It changes the way I think, the way I feel, the way I act think, Phil, I'm just, I can't. I can't meditate. I'm not good. I have an attention span of a gnat. I can't memorize things. I have a horrible memory. Finish this sentence for me. Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this. Have you guys been focusing, meditating on Gilligan's Island this week? It's ingrained in us. Even if you didn't see the original series. You watch it on one of the other channels. It's ingrained in us. When we put God's Word in our heart and our mind and we meditate upon God's Word, it changes our perspective because it changes our heart. It changes the way we act and the way we live because God's Word living in us, then we can be the light to the darkness of the world. We can be the salt, be seasoned, The world that is tasteless. So I'll ask you the same thing I asked Larry. What will you choose? Will you choose the path of Larry? Will you choose the path of following Jesus Christ if I'm going to commit myself to him and allow him to make the changes in my mind, in my heart, and in my life? Which will you choose? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank that you care so deeply for us that you want us to live a life that's full and abundant. You say that in John 10.10. And you give us the ability to do that through the person of Jesus Christ. As he lives in us, then we can then allow his love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control to express itself out through us, to be light in a dark world, to be salt in a world that needs to have it make a difference. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ and for myself this week, this week. We will be the light into the darkness that you've called us to be, and we will allow you to work in us and through us in every area of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name.